Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Stand with me tonight. Let's read a passage out of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I want to talk to you tonight about spiritual gifts. This seems like it may not be the right place to start, but I think it's spot on because we want to talk about the, uh, the bigger picture of uh, spiritual gifts rather than just the individuals tonight. In chapter 13, verse 1, the Apostle Paul says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass, a clanging cymbal, And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains and have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not love, it profits me nothing. Well, the word for love, most of you know in the King James, is the word charity or the agape love of God. So let's, let's begin in our study about spiritual gifts right here in this passage. Let's pray. Father, thank you for bringing us together. Thank you for those who identified with Christ in baptism. And Lord, we celebrate you tonight. Let your word dwell richly in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here tonight. I'm grateful that you are here tonight. This is a very confusing subject to a lot of people. Matter of fact, a lot of people don't even believe what we're fixing to teach tonight. But I believe what the Word of God says. And uh, the Word of God trumps tradition. It trumps denominationalism. It it even trumps uh, Pentecostalism. The Word of God trumps everything. We believe the Word of God. Now, I want you to see something here because in verse 1... Paul is speaking, he says, though I speak with the tongues of men and angels. He says, without love, people hear nothing. It is just noise. It, it's sounding brasses. It's, it's clanging cymbals. He says, even though I speak with the tongue of men and angels, if I don't have agape love, if I don't have love, if I don't have charity, people hear nothing. But look at verse 2. He said, if I have the gift of prophecy, if I know mysteries and have all knowledge, and though I have all faith, without love, I am nothing. Verse 3, if I give everything to the poor and become a martyr, without love, it profits nothing. There is no gain. Let me tell you what he does. Chapter 12, he gives us nine spiritual gifts. He talks about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Chapter 14, he talks about spiritual gifts, primarily tongues and prophecy. But right in the middle of it, he centers it both about the agape love of God. He says, no matter what we do as far as spiritual gifts, if it's not anchored in love, it profits nothing. And that's where he begins. Now, let me just say this. About this time last year, I was getting ready to go to San Antonio to, to preach a conference in San Antonio. One afternoon, I went out with a couple of uh, pastors there. Um, both of them had you know, fairly large churches, one larger than ours, one probably a little bit smaller than ours. And uh, they asked me this question. They said, do the spiritual gifts still operate in your church? And I said, yes. I said, not every service, but if you come to Ray of Hope, you're going to see the manifestation of the spiritual gifts. And this is what they told me. He said, we very rarely ever see that in our churches. 
Now, I think the reason people don't sit anymore is because, number one, people don't believe. Number two, because it's been so out of order that they've just shut it down. And number three, we're in, we're in a, an age now that sometimes people just don't understand. They haven't been taught about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, everything that God gives us is a gift. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. Salvation is a gift. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So everything we have from God is a gift. We didn't earn it. We didn't do anything to achieve it. We weren't moral enough, uh, holy enough, educated enough to say, okay, uh, I deserve this. God supernaturally, sovereignly gives gifts unto men as it pleases him and not us. Can I hear an amen? Now, in verses 4 through 7, so I want you to follow along with me. You have a Bible, so follow along with me. Paul begins to describe the nature of true, genuine agape love. He talks about it being kind and gentle. You, you see that, verses 4 through 7. In verses 8 through 10, he tells us that the gifts of the Spirit, as we know them, one day will be done away with. He says, when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part shall vanish away. Now, I want to tell you that that which is perfect has not come yet. Anybody live in a perfect world? Perfect government? Perfect school? Perfect marriage? Perfect you? Uh, no. There is no perfection. The only one that I know that's perfect is Jesus Christ. And one day he will come. And when he comes, what, what's he going to do? He's going to receive us to him. We're going to be caught up in the clouds with him. And the Bible says in Thessalonians 4, so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now, when I get to heaven, I'm not going to need any healing. When I get to heaven, I'm not going to have to have any discernment. Now, you've heard me teach on this. I, I, I'm not going to get to heaven and, and say, Karen, I got a bad feeling about Jim up here in heaven. I'm discerning that, that he's just not what he should be. How many of you know if Jim's in heaven, he's going to be all right? Everything in heaven's going to be okay. God's going to put everything back the way he created it. And every day after creation, he said, it is what? Good. So he's going to restore all things. Our earth is waiting for the restoration of the way it should be. Our, our earth is groaning right now. Yeah. The Bible says the earth is waxing old like a garment. And so we're going to see things restored and put back the way it should be. So he tells us that the gifts of the Spirit, as we know them today, one day will be done away with, pass away. Now, now here's the fallacy of some teaching. They believe it passed away 2,000 years ago. My friends, if we ever needed the gifts of the Holy Spirit, it's today. As the world gets darker, we need an infusion of the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So we, we know that. In verses 11 and 12, follow along with me in your Bible, he speaks of maturity. He says, you know, when I was a child, I, I spoke as a child, thought as a child. He said, when I became a man, I put away childish things. So he, he moves in verses 11 and 12, he talks about maturity. Now, why is he talking about these right in the middle of spiritual gifts? Because if you have spiritual giftedness, and every believer does, then we have to be mature. And he addresses that. In verse 13, he shares with us the things that will remain. Now, the spiritual gifts will not always remain, but he says there are some things that will abide forever. Notice what he says. Faith, hope, 
and charity, our faith, hope, and love. He says, and the greatest of these is what? Love. And when you get to heaven and you have this personal interaction and you and I are in the presence of God, God is love. And so the entirety of chapter 13, he deals with those issues about spiritual gifts in really a way that maybe we can help understand that. Now, you and I should not want to exercise in our spiritual gifts out of a sense of showmanship. It shouldn't be in a sense of bringing attention to ourselves. It shouldn't be in a sense of look at me. Because I want to tell you the gift is really greater than me because it did not originate with me. I did not birth that gift. I just received it by faith. So therefore, the gift is God's. The Holy Spirit imparted that gift to me. And you and I are offering those gifts so it's not for showmanship. It's not to bring attention. It is for just certain reasons and we're going to get in that go to chapter 14 now, now flip over I'm not going to give you all the verses but we're going to refer to them tonight and so in just the next few minutes we want to really just focus in on three things here's number one spiritual gifts should edify and build one another up spiritual gifts should edify and build one another up even though Paul in chapter 14 is primarily speaking about tongues and prophecy I want you to see something about the keys of spiritual giftedness as a whole. Number one, spiritual gifts should edify and build one another up. Now, now let's go through the chapter and let's pull out that segment. Verse 3, he says that prophecy should be for what? Edification, exhortation, and comfort. Now, he uses this word edification and edify over and over and over and over again. So for us who may not know what that word means, it means to build up. It means to come alongside and support, to build up, make greater, to profit, to increase. So he says that it's for edification, exhortation, and comfort. Verse 4, he says that the spiritual gift is to edify the church. Everybody say church. church. Now that's us collectively. That's the church. It's more than Ray of Hope Church. How many of you know the church is bigger than Ray of Hope? Let me tell you, if we get to heaven and just us there, it's going to be a small heaven. However, there are a few people who believe they're the only ones going. How many of you know we got some good news for them? They're not going to be there by themselves. There's going to be a lot of people. Hey, if you love Jesus Christ and you have named him and he has redeemed you, you're going to go to heaven. Amen? We're going to go to heaven. So he says we are edifying the church. Look at verse 5. He says that the church may receive edification. Verse 12. He said, even so, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. You see that? Let me tell you. Paul said let it be before the Beatles ever said let it be. Some of you don't have a clue what I just said. You're way too young. (laughs) he said let it be for the edification now look at verse 17 here's a question can you use your spiritual gift and those around you not be edified and the answer is absolutely yes now here's the caveat Paul is telling us 
You can get in such a mindset and mode. You can use a spiritual gift and you don't edify the people around you. Let me tell you what you do. You offend the people around you. You confuse the people around you. Matter of fact, you can drive them away. When some people think they're using their spiritual gift to edify the church, you know what they're doing? They're doing exactly the opposite. They're driving people out the back door. And, and, and most of us have seen that. When I was growing up, matter of fact, we were talking back in the, uh, in the, uh, the back of the church a moment ago. Some of us grew up old school. How many of you grew up just old school? Hey, I appreciate old school. I, I love my heritage. I love old school. But also realize this. Most of the time, my association with churches, we never got over 35, 50 people. Because we scared more people away than we did bring them in the front door. Come on, somebody say amen. They didn't understand what was going on. You know the reason? Because we were probably out of order. But if we do it right, this is what Paul is saying in chapter 14. He said, we don't drive them away, we draw them in. So, he, he said, let it be to edify the church. Verse 17, for you indeed give thanks well, but the other is not edified. You see that in, in verse 17? And then in verse 26, he said, let all things be done for edification. He said, everything should be done to build up. We're building up people. We're encouraging people. We're exhorting people. We're comforting people. So everything we do by our teaching, our prophecy, our spiritual gift, whatever that gift is, you are coming alongside of someone and you're encouraging them, you're comforting them, you're building them up, you're edifying them. All of the spiritual gifts are to build up the body of Christ and to exalt Jesus Christ. In Ephesians chapter 4, it says, He who led captivity captive ascended on high, and he gave gifts to men. Aren't you glad that we have gifts? That we have spiritual gifts that the Lord has given us through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has imparted gifts to every believer. Now, some of you are saying, well, I don't believe that. Well, we'll, we'll get to chapter 12 here in a minute. And uh, we'll talk about how Paul says that every believer has a spiritual gift. Now, we may not have developed it. We may not have discovered it. We may not have exercised it. But every born-again believer has a spiritual gift. I mean, I believe that. Okay, here, here's number two. Spiritual gifts have an order or a proper protocol. Spiritual gifts have an order or a proper protocol. Now, the reason that Paul writes this letter to the Corinthian church, and there's several reasons, but about three times in the letters that he writes to the Corinthians, he uses this phrase over and over again. He says, so I might set an order. So I might set an order. Do you know they were taking communion out of order? They were exercising spiritual gifts out of order? That they were dealing with sin in the church out of order? And so he says, I'm writing this letter to you. And he wrote two that we, we know of, First and Second Corinthians, or uh, as... Uh, Donald Trump would say, Corinthians 2. <laughs> He's writing the letters to deal with the church. There is a proper etiquette and code of conduct with spiritual gifts. There is a procedure of conduct to follow. Look at verse 33. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. Verse 40 again, let all things be done decently 
and in order. Why is he writing the letter? Because they are not in order. They have the spiritual gift, but they don't have the maturity or the order that they need. And therefore, he said, some people are coming in the midst of your services, and they said, they think you're crazy. Well, he uses the word mad, but in the 21st century, he would say, they kind of think you're crazy. So that's why he's writing the letter. That, that's why he's dealing with this. That there is a proper order and a proper protocol for spiritual giftedness. Now, that leads us to the third thing and the last thing tonight. And I don't want to just keep you really long, but I want to whet your appetite that you come on Sunday nights so that we can really investigate this. We can study this. We can get down to the nuts and bolts of this. Let's break this down and get it right. Amen? Amen. Not only do we need to get it right, we need to see it operate. Spiritual gifts are submissive. Spiritual gifts are submissive. Look at verse 26. You're in 1 Corinthians 14. How is it then, brethren? Now, he's not talking to the world. Who's he talking to? He's talking to the church. He said, how is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you have a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. If anyone speaks in a tongue... Let there be two or three at the most, each in turn, let one interpret. But if there's no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. Now, let's stop right there. I want to stop there. He's talking about a corporate worship service when someone's addressing the church. He's not talking about when you're praying at the altar. He's not talking about when you're praying in your prayer closet. Can I hear an amen? amen. Hey, it's not what he's talking about. When he starts that passage, he says, when you come together, everybody say together. Yeah. When we come corporately, he says, let it be two or three at the most. In turn, let one interpret. If there's no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church. Let him speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. Do you realize you are not allowed to judge your own prophecy? That's what it says. Well, bless God, that's just what God said. Well, he didn't give you the liberty to say that. The other spiritual mature people who have the Holy Spirit determine whether that's of the Lord or not. Amen. Pastor, have you ever in 32 years had to ever stand up and say that wasn't of God? Yes, I have. How many of you know everybody who says thus saith the Lord is not speaking for the Lord? My uncle Kenneth, he said one time that someone got up and prophesied. It was about uh, uh, the time of the year that we just got through and said at the end of the prophecy, the Lord said, and Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. <laughs> I, I, for some reason, I just can't imagine the Lord would say that. Well, maybe he's just given us a greeting. I'm not for sure. <laughs> he says... Uh, let two or three prophets speak, let the others judge. If anything is revealed to one who sits by, let the first keep silent. For you can all prophesy one by one or in turn that we may all learn or that all may learn and be encouraged. And the spirits of the prophet are subject to the prophets. For God is not the author of confusion but of peace as in all the churches of the saints. So he's not just saying, Corinthians, this is what you need to operate. He says every church needs to operate this way. So he says all the churches should have this. Now, now look at verse 27. So let's break down this, this part here. We find order of, uh, order of sequence. Order of sequence. 
He, he said if someone has a word from God, they can, they can give that. But he said let it be by course or let it be by sequence. And, and he uses the term two or three. We, we don't want to sit here for five hours and hear the prophets prophesy. He, he said let it be by two or three, let it be by course, let it be by sequence. Now look at verse 28 and verse 30. Now, now this is something you really got to get down because this is what I've heard. You know, in 40 years of ministry and 32 years as a pastor, well, I couldn't help it. I couldn't help it. Well, what does the Bible say? We have the ability to keep silent. Everybody see that? We have the ability to keep silent. Well, I couldn't help it. Yeah, you can. You just decide you wouldn't. We have the ability to keep silent. Look at verse 31. We can use our gifts so that people are encouraged. Verse 32, the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. Verse 33, God is not the author of confusion. And then he goes right into verse 34, and it almost seems like verse 34 is way out of context and kilter. Ladies, love me, okay? Let your women keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but they are to be submissive, as the law also says. If they want to learn something, let them ask their own husbands at home, for it is shameful for women to speak in church. What in the world is that doing right in the middle of the discourse on spiritual giftedness? Now, as I ponder this and I think about this, and, and I want to reflect on 40 years of ministry and 32 years as a pastor, the majority of issues in 40 years that I've dealt with in spiritual gifts, I'm going to say 98% has always come from a woman who did not have a strong spiritual covering over in them. 98% that I have dealt with in 40 years has come from a woman in the church that did not have a strong spiritual covering in the church. Which means they didn't have one at home. Do you know you can be married, ladies, but not have a strong spiritual covering? That the guy in the house doesn't take the authority, doesn't take the spiritual leadership? He should, but if he doesn't, by default, you've got to do what you've got to do. Amen? I mean, you've got to be who you are. But therefore, that does not give you the license not to submit to any covering. And everybody's covered. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm covered. You say, well, pastor, you're the senior pastor here. You're not covered. Oh, contraire. Everybody's covered. If you're not covered, you're a Spiritual renegade. Everybody's covered. We have elders here. We have deacons here. The Bible says submit yourselves to one another. When we go back a few verses, uh, if you're going to prophesy, let the others judge. What are you doing? You're, you're submitting your prophecy, uh, your declaration, your psalm, your teaching to the others. Because in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let everything be established. So, so not only is there a spiritual protocol, a, a spiritual procedure, but there's also a spiritual submission. Whether we're under the mighty hand of God. 
I've seen it this way. It's like you're under an umbrella. And folks, submission is not a bad thing. That's a good thing. It it means you're covered. It means you have a covering that's protecting you and and watching over you. And and when, you know, you and I go to the left or the right, someone in a loving way, in a a great way, comes alongside of us and says, you know, let me help you. Let Let me instruct you. Let's get back to the Word of God. So the majority of issues that I've dealt with over all these years has been with someone who just wouldn't be under the covering. Let me tell you what a lady told me one time. She, uh, she was out and about, and, and uh, we'd had some issues, and, and uh, she told me, it don't make any difference what you say. I'm going to do whatever God tells me to do. I can tell you, number one, that's out of kilter. You know, if you rush up here and try to take over, you're out of order. Yeah. I'm just saying. So, you know, there would be people trying to hijack prayer meetings, hijack services, you know, hijack ministry. And uh, so she was an out and about one time, and someone said, where do you go to church? And she said, I go to Ray of Hope. And, uh, and they said, well, so Pastor Mike McCord's your pastor. She said, well, that's where I go, but he's not my pastor. How many of you know I had no spiritual covering over her? And guess what happened? She was a spiritual renegade in this church. So you have to understand that when Paul addresses these issues, he's addressing a lot of things more than just the individual gift itself. He's talking about the aspects, the workings, the characteristics, the protocol of the gifts. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Turn over there with me. There are basically three passages, and I want to just whet your appetite for the next time we meet. There are basically three passages where Paul talks about Spiritual gifts. It's 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, and Ephesians chapter 4. So we have nine spiritual gifts mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We have an addition to those in Romans chapter 12. And then in Ephesians 4, we have the gifts of ministry, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Now, now folks, I personally believe that there are still apostle, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers in the church. But I also know everybody who calls himself an apostle is not an apostle. Everybody who calls themselves a prophet is not a prophet, or a pastor is not a pastor, or a teacher is not a teacher, or an evangelist is not an evangelist. So, so we know that even though they're there, people can take the title. I can tell you I'm the Queen of England, but that don't make me the Queen of England. Right. Even if I get the wave down, it don't make me the Queen of England. Now, look with me at chapter 12. Now, we started in the middle, chapter 13, because, because I think Paul is anchoring his discourse with, with this charity and this love. That everything that we do has to be based on the reason we do it is because we love, and that is the primary motive. It's not because we get paid. It's not because we're seen. It's not because people acknowledge us. The very primary reason is we're doing it because we love and God loves us. That's got to be the driving force. We do this because we love. Well, pastor, you preach because we pay you. Well, honey, if you've been around here long enough, there was a time you didn't pay me. And I still preached. It cost me to come here and preach. But I did it because that was my calling. I loved doing it. But I do like the season we're in now. (laughs) 
But Paul anchors it. The reason we do it is out of love. It's not that I can be seen, not that I can be the show horse, not because I can be acknowledged. We do it, I anchor it, chapter 13, Paul says, because it is love. If I do all of this, I become a noise, nobody listens. If I do all of this, it doesn't profit anybody. If I do all of this, it doesn't matter. But notice in chapter 12. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant or uninformed. That you at one time, now... Notice what he's doing. He's referring to their background as Gentiles. They, they were not uh, Jews. They, they, they were not from the nation of Israel. The Corinthians were Grecians or Greeks. And now they're converted into the household of faith. They, they've come to faith through Jesus Christ. And so, you know, you were carried away with some idols and you were led away by these idolatrous religions. And he says, I want to give you understanding... That no one speaking in the Spirit of God, calling Jesus Christ, in the Spirit of God, is calling Jesus Christ accursed. And that no man can say that Jesus is Lord, but by the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of administrations or operations, but the same Lord. There are diversities or different ways they operate, but it's all the same God, which works all in all. Now, now notice verse 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit everyone. You see that? Look at verse 7. Put your finger there. Now, two things I want to get there and then we're going to close. The manifestation of the Spirit, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit in your life is given to every man. Say that with me. To every man. Say it again. To every man. Now, notice how he starts out, brethren. So who's he talking to? He's talking to the church. Now, when he says to every man, ladies, heads up here, the word there is not male. It is mankind. Usually it's the word anthropos, which we get the word anthropology, which is study of mankind and study of man. So what he's saying, that, 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 that men and women who are believers, they're filled with the Holy Spirit. He says, the Spirit has given to every person spiritual gifts. You don't have all of them. I don't have all of them. If I had all of them, you know what I could say to you? I have no need of you. But we can't say that. You know why? Because we do need each other. So the, the manifest, manifestation of the Spirit is given to every person to profit who? Everybody. And then he goes in to the nine spiritual gifts. Wisdom and knowledge. And he, he begins to delineate all nine of these. And we're going to take all of these nine. And then we're going to pick up some more in, in Romans chapter 12. And then we're going to pick some up in Ephesians chapter 4. And we're going to talk about the nature and the aspects of each one of these giftedness. Because you see... I may be gifted in one area, but I can't help you in another area. But here's the good news. But there's someone in the body of Christ that can help you in that area. Amen. Somebody else can help you in that area. Because we're all gifted differently. And so we dovetail together. We're, we're members in particular, but in the totality of it, in the corporate of it, we make up the fullness of the body of Christ. And we are complete in him. So that's why we, we need a bodily ministry. 
I mean, I don't need to be the head hog at the trough. We, we, we need a lot of people that are coming together to minister to people. In, in a week here at Ray of Hope, I mean, Dow can tell you this, we have people going to multiple hospitals. We have people dealing with multiple issues. There are classes to teach. There are sermons to preach. From children to taking care of babies to youth. I mean, this is a broad spectrum. There's worship. There's praise. There's music. And guess what? You and I cannot do all of it. There is no way. If we try to do that, we will reduce the size of the church and we will become just what we can handle. And we won't see the fullness of what God has for us. This morning when we did the series, A New Season, I believe we're entering into a new season. I believe there are men and women here tonight and that will come through these doors that's going to catch the vision and through their giftedness and through what the Holy Spirit has put in their life, they're going to increase and edify the body. How many of you believe that? Amen. We're going to see growth. Because it's not that we come as just spectators. We're participants. We're engaged in what God is doing in his church. And so we want to know, how do I get engaged? What has he gifted me to offer, how does that work? What's the protocol? What's the submission so we can hit on all cylinders? How many of you have ever had a car that had a miss in it? And, and you know, that's not what God wants for the church. He, he wants every cylinder hit. I mean, he wants everything to fire off. He wants everything to be smooth. And folks, that's what we need. The Holy Spirit has put things in you that we desperately need. The Holy Spirit has gifted you in ways we desperately need. And if you came in like so many people here at Ray of Hope came in and said, Pastor, I've never heard this taught before. Matter of fact, I've heard it taught against all my life. Well, here's the word of God, honey. It's in there. It's in there. But we need to know what's in there. How does it work? How do we receive it? How do we get it? We receive it by faith. And we operate in faith. But we operate in the confines of what the Word of God is. Let me tell you what the Word of God is. The Word of God throws up parameters for us and shows us the way, guides the way, puts up guardrails for us so that we can stay at the sweet spot where the Spirit wants us to stay. Let me tell you what the enemy does. He wants you to get way over here to this extreme. Then he'll take you way over here to this extreme. He'll get you where there's no spirit at all. Then he'll get you over here where you're hanging from the chandeliers and nobody wants to come watch you swing. Somewhere is a sweet spot of the Holy Spirit where people's needs are met, people are being ministered to, they're being edified, God is moving, God is getting the glory for it, people are getting healed, there's revelation, there are mysteries that are unfolding, there, there's a word that comes forth, there, there's encouragement, there's edification, people leave here, they're edified, they're built up. Honey, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And we can operate in the power of the Holy Spirit, but this is what I found out, that you know what you need, you teach. Before God ever does a thing, he says a thing. So we need to have the word of God richly in our hearts so that we can see him move in powerful 
powerful ways. Stand with me tonight. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you were encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory and hope changes everything.